0: There are stories about what happened. It's true. Welcome to this episode of the Star Wars Canon Podcast. I'm your host, Brian Miller, and I'm so glad that you decided to join me to talk yet again this week about our favorite thing in the world, Star Wars. And uh, I'm going to let you know right off the top of the show, this may not be a very long episode. Uh, I know I didn't do an episode the last two weeks. Uh, the week before, not this last week, but the week before, uh, my internet was screwing up, I couldn't get my router to work worth a damn, and it was, it was just driving me absolutely crazy. Uh, I ended up canceling the show because of how frustrated I was. Uh, and then last week, Kirsty and I were busy getting things ready to go for Jensen's arrival. Uh, we were, we're thinking Kirsty's about a, actually a month ahead of what we thought. So uh, there's a very good possibility he could be coming in the next couple weeks. I think he's already dropped, so uh, it's, it's coming pretty soon. But last weekend, we were putting the crib together. And getting the nursery ready to go, Kirsty was making a blanket for him, stuff like that. So, uh, it's it's been kind of hectic around here, and and nothing against you guys, nothing against the podcast, uh, but the stuff with Jensen kind of takes priority right now, and trying to get that all put together and whatnot. But for right now, we are good to do an episode of the podcast this week. So we've got a couple things to talk about here. Uh, before I get into the Star Wars stuff, though, you guys already know. Uh, if you watched last week's episode, or I mean, last week's episode, the last episode I did, uh, I've decided to get behind a mission real quick, and I'll only take a minute of your guys' time. I decided to get behind a mission uh, of uh, trying to raise awareness for veteran suicide. Uh, for those of you that don't know, uh, I was in the military. Veteran suicide is something that hits pretty close to home for me, uh, and it's, it's something I've decided to get behind. I found this website called Till Valhalla Project. Uh, it's uh, run by a veteran and, and I tried to look up his name again before I went uh, live with the recording and I couldn't find it. Uh, but he started this company. Uh, he makes like bracelets, dog tags, uh, keychain stuff like that t-shirts. I've actually I got one of the bracelets myself. Uh, and he donates all the proceeds to raising awareness for veteran suicide and, uh, to create memorials for veterans. So, that's something I've decided to get behind, uh, and if you guys are interested in maybe looking at some of their products, maybe showing some support, I'll put all the links in the description of this video, of this podcast, so you guys can go check that out. It really would mean a lot to me if you guys did. Uh, now with that out of the way, let's get into some Star Wars stuff, and I've got quite a bit to talk about, I don't want to say quite a bit, there's a, have co- got quite a bit to say about the few topics that we have, uh, I, let me put it to you that way, uh, so, I've got three reviews for you tonight. I've got uh, a lot of comic news, actually. Actually, all the news to this week is uh, comic news. I've uh, got a lot of comic news, and then I've got, I think, four mailbag questions for you guys. I've got four mailbag questions. So, uh, let's get right into this. Right off the bat, the big news that broke last night. Uh, for those of you that don't know, I'm recording this on Thursday. Thursday? No, I'm sorry. Today's what? Friday. Today's Friday. My bad. I'm all messed up on my days. I'm recording this on Friday. The news broke last night. We knew that the Star Wars title was going to be ending at issue number seventy-five, uh, but what came last night? I don't think any of us were really expecting. Um, apparently, Star Wars, Doctor Aphra, and Target Vader, which is a limited run going right now, which is actually a really good run. I've actually got uh, the new one right here. I got to get through. Uh, I guess they're all coming to an end at the exact same time. And to and to send them all out with a big bang, uh, Marvel is putting together a single issue. I guess it's like 56 pages. Uh, one issue that is going to be a massive crossover of all three titles, it's like 56 pages long, called Empire Ascendant. Uh, and, and this is supposed to be the finale of the Star Wars comic, the Dr. Aphra comic, and this this target Vader. I have to say, that's a really cool way to end the comics. I I will say that much. But there is a lot to unpack with this. First off, anybody who's been watching for any amount of time knows the one story I wanted told, more than anything in the Star Wars comic, was the bounty hunter incident on Ord Mendel that Han talked about in in The Empire Strikes Back. If it was going to happen, it would have happened during this comic run, and it never did. Uh, at least not yet. I think we have, what, four issues left? Five issues? I think four issues left until the end. And it's it's never happened. Maybe, maybe it'll happen in the Empire Ascendant comic. That's entirely possible. Uh, but so far, it hasn't happened yet. So I'm a little disappointed. I'm kind of holding my breath that it does happen in the Empire Ascendant issue. Uh, but we'll see. Dr. Afra, uh, I can't say I'm very shocked that it's going to be ending. Uh, but... It's. I mean, it was a good run. At least I know it's, there were some people that didn't like Doctor Afra that much as a character. That, that didn't like her comic, and, and that's fine. I, I I kind of enjoyed Afra a little bit. And there were some ups and downs with the story. And there was a part. There was a point where I, even I was getting a little, oh god, more Afra. But it's 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 all right at this point. Uh, and this Target Vader run is is great so far. Um, I've only read one issue of it. I've only picked up one issue. I've got uh issue number two here. Uh, I haven't picked up my pull file for this month yet. It should have issue three in it. But uh, definitely need to, to, to go get that comic. But with this news, with all these comics ending, these D- Star Wars and Doctor Aphra were the two ongoing series. No other series was ongoing at this point. I mean, I mean Poe Dameron already ended. Uh, I mean, I mean, all the other... I mean, Kanan ended. That was supposed to be an ongoing. It, it ended at, what, it, 12 issues? Poe Dameron ended at 31, I think. But this is all of the ongoing runs and I know we do have uh at least I think two limited runs that we do know of for sure that are coming out before the Rise of Skywalker uh but these are all the ongoing series that have been going for how long now how long have these comics been running I mean it's it's crazy for them to be ending them like this it's not I mean the Rise of Skywalker isn't just the end of the saga it's it's turning out to be the end of everything for this period it looks like, and and I don't know where they're going to go with the comics after this. To be completely honest, this does not. I should I should put this in here. Th- this does not include the IDW Star Wars Adventures comics that I know of, because uh, I mean I've they're not the greatest comics in the world, but at least they're Star Wars comics. You know, I mean at least they're something. Uh, but it's I don't think those are ending anytime soon. That that one's just now at issue twenty four in the second annual. So, I mean it's possible, but this main run this main storyline between a new hope and the empire strikes back is being wrapped up and it's kind of bittersweet it really is um i might sit down and do a full on review of the entire star wars comic run i think like i said it'll be 75 issues but i'm not sure yet i don't know if i want to go back and and relive all 75 issues again i might just get the tpbs out and go through story arc by story arc. I don't know. Uh, but like like the, uh, the original Vader run ran concurrently with this for a while. Afra ran concurrently, obviously. Uh, and then, I mean, you had the different. You had Vader Down that ran between Vader and Star Wars. You had Screaming Citadel, what was between Afra and Star Wars. You had uh, the Storms of Crate one shot. I mean, there were so many different stories that were told in between all these to have one big conglomerate issue with all three of these that's going to be insane but uh yeah they're apparently they're ending all of those with that issue empire ascendant i think that's due out in december i think it's december 1st if, if i'm not mistaken let me let i'll let you guys know i need to check the date for sure but i'm pretty sure it's december 1st uh but yeah that's it's all coming to a close man it's the end of an era i tell you what uh, moving on the other comic thing i wanted to talk about here for a minute and I might surprise some of you guys. I might not. I don't know. Uh, we we have this limited run coming up in December, before the Rise of Skywalker, uh, centered around Kylo Ren, uh, called The Rise of Kylo Ren. This is a comic that I was kind of excited for until the news broke. And, well, I shouldn't say the news. Until I read the tweet about it yesterday, about what this comic was actually going to entail and I, to be honest, I mean, I should have known from the name of The Rise of, of uh, Kylo Ren. I should have known. But this is going, this this comic run is going to tell the story of what happened between Luke and Ben Solo. And what happened the night his temple was destroyed. And and what Snoke was doing to twist his mind and to get him, to, to, to seduce him to the dark side. And, and to make him his apprentice and how luke dealt with it and when he ran away and everything like that like that's what this comic series is supposed to be covering now now, don't get me wrong i'm looking forward to the comic I'm, I'm i'm excited for it that's a story i've been wanting for a long time i think that's a story a lot of us have wanted for a long time but i'm gonna rant here for just a minute and 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 ranting against disney isn't something that i'm actually known for and i don't do it very often I think the only couple times I did it was there was a journal for the Millennium Falcon that was like 100 bucks, and then the, the hotel prices uh, and, and, and I think a couple other things. But it doesn't happen very often. This is going to be one of those things I'm going to rant here for a second. This comic series, coming right before The Rise of Skywalker, like I said, is going to tell the story of literally The Rise of Kylo Ren, how he turned to the dark side. This is an event in the Star Wars galaxy that not only had consequences that the entire galaxy felt. It was galaxy shattering. Not only was this, in essence, the second Jedi purge. Not only was this the event that broke Luke Skywalker. Luke Skywalker. That broke him. Into making him run and go into hiding. This is the turn of another member of the Skywalker bloodline to the dark side. This is a huge event in the Star Wars galaxy. This is huge for the Star Wars saga. This is a story that is, if if told correctly and and told very complexly. Is that a word? Complexly? I think it is. I may not be. I don't know. I might be an idiot. This is this is a story that should have so many moving parts to it that a limited comic run cannot contain it. This this is a story that is worthy of more coverage than a limited probably 5 or 6 issues. This is this is a a story that deserves more coverage than a 5-issue comic run. This is a story that deserves to be broken down and and just gone through and evaluated and and experienced one little morsel at a time whether in a novel on screen somewhere I, we probably won't ever see the actual events on screen unless by some chance we get some flashback in the rise of skywalker but this is something that deserves more this is the, i mean this is a huge event this deserves more than a comic run this needs to be told in a, in a novel somewhere this needs uh, this is something that needs to be covered top to bottom, left to right, inside out, backwards, forwards, just completely. And I don't think this is a story that a five-issue run will do justice to. I could be wrong. They've brought on some of the best artists and the best writers for this comic. So, like I said, I'm still very excited for it. But don't, I don't, I don't want this, I want this story. I, I Personally, hope me hoping, you know, because everybody knows what they want out of Star Wars do we always get it no but what i wanted was and i mean this is me shooting for the stars i wanted a novel like a thick novel by claudia gray to cover what happened that night and to really delve into the emotions that luke went through and what he was thinking and why you know how he dealt with it and and really the complexity of of kylo's turn and 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 all this how leia and han took it and their breakup you know and all this stuff like i mean the destruction of the jedi temple get into the knights of rent like i mean it's it would be so great to get into a novel to have all these different pieces moving at the same time instead we're going to get like a five or six issue comic run i don't know it could end up being one of the greatest comics of all time i don't know uh i i don't See that happening, but guys, let me know in the comments below. Do, do you think I'm crazy? Do you think I'm out of line, kind of wanting something like that? Uh, wh- how do you guys feel? Would you rather see a novel of it, or, or, or maybe even a flashback in the Rise of Skywalker? Do you think it's? Do you think this five issue run is worthy of that story? Let me know. I want to hear you guys' thoughts on that. Uh, all right, so enough of that little rant, and that wasn't really an animated rant either. It was more of just, uh, I, I honestly I don't like that. But anyway, before we get into mailbag questions, I've got. Three novel reviews for you tonight. Uh, since my wheat harvest, I've been trying to get caught up on the novels. And to be honest, here here's what happened when wheat harvest kicked off. I was halfway through Master and Apprentice, and during my wheat harvest, Alphabet Squadron came out, and then what was the next one? Uh, Tron uh, Tron. I am losing my mind. Thrawn Treason. <laughs> Tron Thrawn Treason came out. Before I even had a chance to finish Master and Apprentice, and then once my wheat harvest got over, I started reading Master and Apprentice again, and then Myths and Fables and A Crash of Fate came out, so I had to go pick those up, and then I finished uh, Master and Apprentice, and I started reading Alphabet Squadron, and then Black Spire came out, so I'm trying to, I'm, I'm getting caught up slowly. But tonight I've got three different reviews for you. I'm going to cover three of them. And I'm going to be covering Thrawn Treason, uh, Star Wars Myths and Fables, and A Crash of Fate. So uh, let's start with the one everybody wants to know first, Thrawn Treason. This is the third novel in the Thrawn series. Uh, everybody's saying that this is the closeout of a trilogy. I am willing to bet a large, large sum of Imperial Credits. That this is not the last Thrawn book we get. Uh, This, by far, was my favorite of the Thrawn books so far in canon. Uh, I really enjoyed the first one. The second one was alright. I mean, it it was okay. But this one was great. This one was absolutely... This one was at a point... We're at a point now in Thrawn's career with this book that we don't need any more backstory... And we are really getting getting into the meat and potatoes of who he is. I mean, we even see him use his abilities and his skills in a different way in this book. This book takes place uh, during season four of Rebels, when he's not really in the picture for the first half of it. And there's even some references to that Season of rebels how he's got Harrison Dula captured and whatnot and and and, and on Lethal, those events and uh, This this whole book happens before he shows back up in rebels uh, Eli Vonto comes back into this book who we know went off into the unknown regions at the end of the first novel uh, to be with the Chiss ascendancy this novel focuses a lot more on the Chiss ascendancy quite a bit actually uh, and we got some familiar faces in this book as well. Obviously, the Emperor is in this novel, but we also got director Krennic and Tarkin, which, I mean, that's those two together are a great character dy- dynamic, Tarkin and Krennic. I, I could watch those two go back and forth in a movie all night, man. I really could. Essentially, what this novel is, the basis of the story, is at the beginning of it, uh, we've got the Stardust project going on with Director Krennic, which we know is the Death Star, and Thrawn has his TIE Defender project going on, and there's only so much funding that the Empire can throw around, so Tarkin suggests that there's a friendly contest between Krennic and Thrawn to see who gets the funding for their project. Now we all know whose project ends up going into mass production, it's, it's the Death Star, but... Uh, essentially some of the stardust project's uh, supply lines are being attacked by these creatures that kind of like minox it's like a cousin to the minotaur and the bet is that thrawn can destroy them and figure out where they're coming from within a week and if he gets it, if he, if he figures it out he gets the funding for his tide defender project if he doesn't Krennic gets it for the death star so during the, the the beginning of this course, this course of events, uh, Thrawn stumbles upon this huge conspiracy going on with supply runs for the Death Star and everything like that. And the Chess Ascendancy gets brought into it, and and the Grisks come back from uh, Thrawn alliances that you know, the creatures that Thrawn invader were fighting. They come back into it, uh, and and it's it's this huge debacle, right, of, of of inciting insider trading and 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 just treason and all this other stuff. But we see Thrawn do something in this book that I've ne- that I've never seen Thrawn do before. And it even mentions in this book how he doesn't really know what he's doing when it comes to this type of art, and that's music. Thrawn's never really studied music that much. And he has an idea, and I'm not going to ruin it for you, but he has an idea of who's behind everything. And he gets some information on this person and, and whatnot and, and realizes that they don't collect any art. They have no art and there's no way that he can kind of study what their tactic, tactics would be until he finds out he's a musician. And that's what he uses to take down this particular person. Guys, this is a great novel. I had so much fun reading this one. Uh, if, it, if it's, well, let me put it in perspective for you. It took me three weeks to read Alphabet Squadron. I read Thrawn Treason in three days. I could not put it down. It absolutely great story. Absolutely great. Uh, now what I was talking about at the beginning about how I believe balls to bone that this is not the end of the, the Thrawn series. Uh, I want to say about a year and a half ago, uh, Timothy Zahn was at a, I think it was Toronto Comic-Con. I want to say it was Toronto Comic-Con and he made the comment that he had an idea for a fourth story and it was the Thrawn Ezra story from the end of Rebels. Which, obviously, if there's another Thrawn novel, that has to be the story because of the way this one leads up to Rebels, you know, to his reappearance in season four. Uh, So that would would naturally be the next step in in this story. He said he's interested in that story. He has an idea for it. He has a pitch for it. And there's certain lines at the end of this book, and I'm not going to ruin it for you, but there's certain lines at the end of this book that lead me to believe that he has been given the go-ahead to write another Thrawn novel. A year from now. I mean, to have another one release a year from now. Because it's hard to believe, but it's been two years since the first Thrawn novel came out, and then a year ago since Thrawn Alliances came out, and now this one's out. You wait another year, you're going to get Thrawn, whatever the fourth story is, whatever the title is going to be, with Ezra. Ezra is specifically mentioned in this book by the Emperor of all people. And there's some talk back and forth. I've been saying for a long time, and I mean a long time, that Thrawn had something I had had everything to do with the rise of the First Order. And I'm convinced, balls to bone, after reading this book, he did. Some of the things the Emperor wanted to talk about, some of the things the Emperor said to him. I mean, it's this you guys have got to read this book because there are some serious hints. Drop toward the end of this. That shows this is not the end of the Thrawn series. It's just not the end of it. So Thrawn Treason guys. By far my favorite of the Thrawn novels so far. Definitely hoping they come out with a fourth. And definitely looking forward to it. If they do a fourth. Um, but if, if you're one of these people. And I've seen people online. Say they love the first Thrawn book. And then they kind of fell out of it with the second one because of the time jumps between Vader and Thrawn and Anakin and Thrawn and whatnot. I I get it. That one was a little rough. This one makes up for... This one is as good as both of those books combined. This is an absolute... This is back to pure Thrawn. We skip the origin story, jump right into where he's at in his life and his career. Boom, here we go. Hit the ground running. And it's... You guys are really, really going to enjoy that novel. So if you guys have read it, let me know in the comments section what you guys thought of it no spoilers for those of you for for those who haven't read it because there are some spoilers in this book. there's definitely some spoilery stuff in this book. Uh, so definitely let me know guys what did you think of this book? Uh, all right, moving on. I've got another one and this one probably I won't talk about as long, but this is one that was kind of a pleasant surprise to me uh, and it's Star Wars myths and fables. This is a book that the second I saw the cover for it, online when they first announced it i lost my mind because it is a jedi knight fighting a motherfucking dragon and that does not get it doesn't get any cooler than that that's awesome that is freaking insanely awesome uh this is a collection of i think eight or nine stories and it's not real thick you can see it's not a real thick book and it's got like the cloth binding on it kind of like the legends luke skywalker book had and it's along those same lines, but it's not focused on Luke Skywalker or on a single character like that one was. But this one is more—it's this one is interesting. Uh, some of the artwork in this book is gorgeous, uh, absolutely gorgeous. Uh, every story has a little—I mean, like hand-painted poster at the beginning of it, kind of like the uh, the first story here. It's got the the cover art on it, but there's—I mean—so all these pictures in here would make amazing. Novel, uh, uh, posters. They'd make amazing posters, and I would put every single one of them up in this room if I had them. Every single one of them. Uh, the stories that are in this book, I should have had them written down, but here I'll just go to the contents page for you, and just read it straight to you. Uh, it's one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine stories in this book. Uh, they are called The Knight and the Dragon, The Droid with a Heart, Vengeful Waves, The Wanderer, The Black Spire, Gaze of Stone, The Witch and the Wookie, The Dark Wraith, and Chasing Ghosts. Uh, out of all of these stories, right? Now, unlike legends of Luke Skywalker, some of those stories were blatantly not true. I mean, because if they are, that means there's a sand flea running around Tatooine somewhere telling everybody that Luke Skywalker, one of the most powerful Jedi ever, listened to him and he thought it was the Force. Really? I mean, that story sucked. I mean, I it, it I hate if you liked it, you liked it. I hated that story. These stories, on the other hand, kind of tell it in a different way. I, I get maybe it's the way they're written to where you don't know whether they're canon or not. You don't know what aspects of it are canon and what aspects are not. Because remember what Ahsoka said in Rebels all legends are based off of some bit of fact. All legends are based off of some bit of fact. So these stories in particular. And they jump all over the place, time-wise, time, I mean time period, location in the galaxy-wise, character-wise. Uh, as a matter of fact, I'm not going to tell you who the Jedi is in the in this first story with the with the dragon. Uh, but as soon as you start to read it, you're going to realize exactly who it is. And maybe you know just from context clues. Uh, but the knight and the dragon was a great story, one that I really enjoyed. Uh, the droid with a heart was a prequel story that was kind of centered around a... Uh, uh, strategy droid from the Clone Wars that's around General Grievous a lot. It was all right. Vengeful waves. This is this story goes back further than anything else in any canon ever. Uh, Vengeful waves goes all the way back to almost the formation of the galaxy, and tells the story of these two uh, species that are on this ocean planet who work together and are kind of symbiotic off of each other. One gets arrogant and decides that they're better than the others, you know, whatever. So uh, it's, it's kind of a neat story. The Wanderer is an interesting one, too. Uh, at first, I thought it was a Luke Skywalker story, and then the longer I read it, I was like, no, this can't be true. It can't be a Luke Skywalker story. But it's a great story, too. It's uh, it's about a, a town. I don't remember the name of it. Uh, about this town, and there's this Wanderer that shows up and protects them three times over the course of several years, and it's a Jedi he has a flaming laser sword. Uh, great story. The Black Spire was another one. And they're really pushing this Batu thing. This Galaxy's Edge thing. The Black Spire, obviously it takes place in Black Spire Outpost. Uh, Gaze of Stone. This was my favorite story in this book. And I'm, and I'm going to tell you why. Remember when... They came out and said in canon, the Sith world is now called Moraband, and everybody got all pissed off because it was no longer called Korriban. This book, this particular story, I take as canon. Just because of the way it was written, it would match in perfectly with everything else. There's not really a legend kind of feel to this story. It actually feels like a balls-to-bone, flesh-and-blood story. So I believe that one is canon. I believe. I, I mean, I, none of these could be canon. I don't know, but I, I feel like this one is canon. And, and if you've read it, you know what I mean. This is a story about a new Sith Lord, and I'm, I'm going to look up his name. I think it's Darth Calbeth. It's about a, it's about a Sith Lord on Korriban. It's it's called Korriban, not Moriband. Uh According to this story, the planet used to be called Korriban, and then they changed it to Moriban for the new canon. So it was called Korriban at one point but it's a Sith Lord story about an apprentice that's trying to outsmart his master. It's awesome. It's a great story. It's absolutely great. And, and, and how this plan blows up in the apprentice's face. It's so, so great. It's absolutely my favorite story in this book. Loved it. Uh, there's a story called The Witch and the Wookiee, which was, I guess, bordering on a legend. If, if you look at the way it's written, it's these pirates and smugglers that land on a planet trying to hide their treasure that they just stole. And they come across an old hut in the in the jungle in the swamp. Kind of had some Dagob, Dagobah vibes to it. And there's a woman in there that is just willing to help them. Said she hasn't seen anybody in years. Uh, and she's a witch. And what happens with the witch and them is awesome. And obviously there's a Wookiee involved. It's in the title. And the, the witch and the Wookiee. But this is a story that really does feel like it could be just a legend that some pirates got scared one time and told around the campfire somewhere. It's an awesome story. Uh, the Dark Wraith is another great story, and I'm pretty sure it was about Darth Vader, just from the 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 uh, art for that particular chapter. I'm pretty sure it was Darth Vader. Uh, but it was kind of a story making Darth Vader to be the boogeyman. How if you're not and, and and you know it's these parents telling their kids stories. If you're not good, the Dark Wraith will show up and take you. And they make Vader out to be the boogeyman. And then finally Vader does actually show up in the story. And it's the same city that the Wanderer would come to. And the Wanderer didn't come to save him this time. Like it's really, really kind of an interesting story. That one's kind of cool. But they really paint Vader out to be the boogeyman of the galaxy. And then the last one is called Chasing Ghosts. Which is kind of a a neat little smuggler story. But it's, it's really nothing galaxy shattering. I had a lot of fun reading this book. All the stories in this were great. Uh, the only one that I really didn't care about that much was the Black Spire story. And the only reason, I, and I'll talk about that here in a minute with the, cra- with the Crash of Fate. Uh, I just—I really didn't care for the Black Spire story that much. But beyond that, these were great. I mean, look at some of this artwork, like the Tuscan Raiders on the back. This thing is gorgeous, man. The artwork that goes into it, it was just beautiful. I, you guys have got to pick this one up. Uh, I went to Barnes & Noble to get this one. If you get your books from Barnes & Noble, I had to special order this one because they didn't have it in stock. But it was definitely worth the wait. This is a great one. And I read it in a day, obviously. I mean, it's not that long. I read it in a day. So you guys won't be wasting your time reading this particular book. Uh, And the last novel I wanted to talk about tonight is uh, Star Wars Galaxy's Edge A Crash of Fate by Zoraida Cordova, I think is how you say her name. Uh, This author is also responsible for a short story uh, in the From a Certain Point of View. Collection of short stories. I think she wrote the story with the two women trying to get a ride somewhere, if I remember right. It was alright. Uh, the best way I can describe this book is. I mean, it's, it happens on Black Spire Outpost. The best way I can describe this book is as a Hallmark movie in the Star Wars galaxy. That's honestly the best way I can describe this book. Uh, this is more of like a tweeny kind of novel in the star wars universe like a teenage girl would be reading this this is like i don't want to say twilight in the star wars universe it's not that bad it's and, and and don't get me wrong this isn't necessarily a bad book i'll give you the gist of it so at the beginning of this book there's a little boy and a little girl just like six or seven years old and their best friends are running around black post out a black spire outpost uh, and all of a sudden the girl's family just up and leaves in the middle of the night, takes her with them, and they never get to say goodbye to each other. She comes back years later as a smuggler. He's still there. They bump into each other, and essentially from there on out, it's a love story, and it's and it takes place in the course of a day. One day it takes place. Uh, in the morning, he thinks he's never going to see her again. He Every day he wishes he'd see her again. She bumps into him around lunchtime, and then the rest of the story is that day, and by the end of it, they are together in love They've confessed everything like it's one of those books, right? This book takes place between episodes eight and nine. And I think the end of the, 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 the end of this book, the epilogue is cutting into episode nine because there's this huge space battle that appears above, uh, uh, black post, black spire outpost and it's all the resistance has come out of hiding and whatnot. So I think this butts right up next to the, to the rise of Skywalker. But This book, like I said, this one, you're not going to have to read this one to know what the hell's going on in anything else. You're not going to have to. This one, I'm going to put this one on the, I don't want to say the same level. Okay, let me change. Let me me alter what I was going to say. I was going to say I want to put it on the same level as Most Wanted with Hanakira. But that one's a lot lower than this one. This one actually had some parts in it that were, it was all right. Uh, But what I was talking about earlier The reason I didn't care for the Black Spire story in the myths and fables And because of this book They are pushing This Galaxy's Edge thing So damn hard To the point I'm getting fatigue of Black Spire Outpost And I'm I'm worried that it's going to carry over to when I go to Galaxy's Edge for the first time Hopefully it won't, it probably won't But I can't help but wonder that right now Because I'm so I'm soaking in so much Black Spire. I mean, it's, it's crazy. Like, Thrawn Alliances was the first time we saw the planet Batu, uh, Batu, however you say it. And then Galaxy's Edge opens up, and it's that same outpost, right? We get a mention of Black Spire and Solo, which I just noticed for the first time, like, two nights ago. I never noticed it before. When L337's telling Lando, oh, yeah, you couldn't get from here to Black Spire without me. I never noticed that before. Um, and then we had the short story of Myths and Fables. And now we've got Galaxy's Edge, Crash of Fate. And then now the one I'm working on, it's literally called Black Spire. (laughs) I'm working on this one right now. So uh, I'm I'm getting some serious Batu fatigue at this point. I'm getting to where I don't care about this outpost anymore. And I wish the First Order would just wipe it off the face of the planet. Uh, It's getting to that point. I mean, we had the five-issue comic run of Galaxy's Edge. Like, it's just over. It's just hitting you over the head with this over and over. We get it. There's a Disney park called Galaxy's Edge. And I get it; it's Batu. Take that as you will, um, but I'm but I am starting in this new canon. I'm starting to get kind of Black Spire Outpost fatigue. I really am. So so far, I've read one chapter of Black Spire, and and so far, it's good because I haven't gotten to Batu yet. So I'm I'm I'll let you guys know how that one's going. Hopefully, I'll have a review for that one in the next week or two. Uh, I'm not sure how long it's going to be uh, before I get that one out. Consider If Jensen comes in the next couple weeks, I'm not going to have time to get that read as quickly as I did some of these other three. So uh, keep an eye out for that. But A Crash of Fate, this is one, like I said, you're not going to have to read to know what's going on in the universe. It's just two characters that are running around the galaxy together, and it's, just, it's their story. It's not really connected to the overarching story at all. There's some like eye rolling moments in it. You're just like, oh god, here we go. And there's a steamy scene. Well, there was. I think I shouldn't say there's a steamy scene. I, there's the beginnings of a steamy scene that doesn't happen. So like, it's really it it really pushes that boundary quite a bit. And Jesus Christ. And and, and some of the name. I don't want to say the names, but I mean the DJ. Uh, from from Galaxy's Edge is mentioned in this and, and, and whatnot. But like I said, it's over the course of a day. And these two people are in love. It's like it's like when you watch The Little Mermaid as you get older. And she's like, Daddy, I love him. No, you don't. Bitch, go do your homework. <laughs> like, really? That's, that's essentially the feeling I was getting while I was reading this. So uh, definitely go check this one out if you're OCD and you want to read everything. If you don't need to read everything, you don't necessarily need to read this particular book. So, like I said, uh, take that as you will That's just my thoughts on it uh, and, and hopefully I will get over this Black Spire fatigue We'll see uh, But those are the three book reviews I had for you for this week Let's get into some mailback questions Before I get into the mailback questions uh, I'm going to let you guys know If you want to get a question on the podcast You can simply email it to me at starwarscanonlibrary at gmail.com I go through each episode and pick a few out And decide uh, some of the topics we want to talk about Uh, Like I said earlier in the episode, this week I've got four. One of them is considerably long. I want to thank you in advance for the person who wrote that one here in a little bit. I want to thank you in advance for that, because sometimes longer questions we can really start unpacking some stuff, and I'm glad you sent this one in. But before we get to that one, uh, question number one this week comes from Eddie Rios. And Eddie says, Greetings, my friend. Love your podcast. I listen to every episode you produce, usually in my car, on my way home from work. Keep up the good work. Thank you, brother. I appreciate that. With the announcement of the Obi-Wan series, do you think we'll see a young Luke Skywalker on Tatooine? It's good to know you are slowly building more followers. You deserve it. Peace. Thank you, brother. Thank you for the question. Uh, and, and for those of you that don't know, there. I mean, I don't know who wouldn't know at this point, unless you've been living on a rock at Black Spire Outpost. Uh, there's an Obi-Wan series coming on Disney+, Plus, and, and and it's the talk of the Star Wars community, apparently. Uh, right now, I'm kind of focused more on The Mandalorian, but we'll talk about some Obi-Wan for a little while. Uh, yes. To answer your question, yes. I do think we're going to see a young Luke Skywalker in this series. And and the reason is, Anytime we've seen Obi-Wan on Tatooine, well, we've really only seen one good scene of Obi-Wan on Tatooine between episodes three and four. And that is rebels where you know Ezra comes and finds Obi-Wan and you know the whole Darth Maul thing happens the conversation between Obi-Wan and Maul about Obi-Wan trying to protect someone really drives the point home that Obi-Wan is there for Luke which we all knew he was in the first place but that's the sole reason Obi-Wan is on that planet I shouldn't say the sole reason the main reason he's on Tatooine the other reason is he's in hiding so that Vader and the Emperor can't find him Invader doesn't like sand, so Tatooine's gonna be the last place he looks. So, yes, I do believe if we're going to start this Obi-Wan series, let's say, you know, ten years after Revenge of the Sith, and Luke Skywalker is ten years old, we're we have to establish that context. We have to establish the setting of the series so far. Why Obi Wan is on this planet. Because you have to you have to make these series in a way where if all you've ever seen was 1, 2, and 3, and you're going through it chronologically, you you have to, or maybe you've never seen it, maybe Obi-Wan is the first thing of Star Wars you've ever seen, you have to establish to some people why Obi-Wan is on Tatooine, and, and what his purpose there is, and why he's there, and what led up to it, and you know what what he's dealing with on the planet, and, and with Luke Skywalker being the main reason that he's on Tatooine, that has got to be brought front and center in the Obi-Wan series, first episode, it has to be brought in first episode, because I mean, most people. If let's say somebody's sitting down and watching Star Wars chronologically for the first time, let's say they sit down with the Star Wars Canon Podcasts uh, timeline, right, and they go, okay, we're gonna go, re- well, you know, we're gonna watch this book, read the- or watch this book. We're gonna read this book, watch this movie, book, book, movie, movie, series, book, movie, series, comic, 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 right, and then you get to Disney Plus Obi Wan series, and they have no idea what comes later on. They know at that point that's why Obi-Wan is there. And and with, I mean, just look at the way the Mandalorian is being shot. Look at some of the techniques that they're using to make the Mandalorian. Look at how the Mandalorian is feeling so far with the trailer. They are making the Mandalorian a love letter to the fans. You know, I mean, heavy practical effects. I mean, even model shots and camera passes and whatnot, they are it's a love letter to the fans. Fans will lose their collective shit. If a 10 year old Luke Skywalker pops up in the Obi-Wan series and in a good way, in a way that I think a lot of fans need to lose their shit instead of, oh, hey, you know, screw Ruin Johnson, whatever. This is you got to focus on the positive. That is a positive. So I absolutely balls to bone believe we are going to see a young Luke Skywalker in the Obi-Wan series. Maybe Luke would even be a main part of the story. I don't know. And and some of the comics that we've seen of Obi Wan on Tatooine, he's watching over Luke. That's the main purpose of him being there. That's the, his. That's that's really what you see. He directly saves Luke in one of them. And it's why wouldn't Luke be in that series? You know, he might even be pivotal to the series. Who knows? Maybe Luke gets kidnapped or something. You know, and Obi Wan has to go off and find him. I don't. I don't know. I'm not writing it. The scripts are written, but I don't know. So uh, to answer your question, yes, I do believe Luke is going to pop up in the series. They'd be stupid not to at this point. So let me know, guys, in the comments below. I want to see what your guys' thoughts are. Do you think Luke's going to pop up? Maybe not. Let me know. I want to hear your guys' thoughts. Thanks for the question, Eddie. I do appreciate it. Uh, Question number two this week, and this is the long one. Question number two this week. Kylie Burns sends in, hey there, Brian, big fan here. Been listening to your content since The Force Awakens came out. I love how your channel has grown and wanted to say congrats on your little youngling coming soon. Thank you very much, Kylie. I do appreciate that very, very much. I'm glad to have you as a follower. I did not like The Force... Uh, I'm sorry, the, the Last Jedi. If you can rebuttal any of the following, I am open to looking at it differently. Here we go. These these are some of the problems Kylie had with, with The Last Jedi. It's stupid to have a droid say the famous line, I have a bad feeling about this. It was totally out of character for Luke to just drop everything and go into hiding. We've never heard of ships using fuel before the Disney era. Force communication didn't kill Luke and Leia in The Empire Strikes Back. Why did it kill Luke in The Last Jedi? When was it established that Force ghosts could interact with the physical world? Why were the turbo laser beams from the finalizer arching in space why is Leia all of a sudden able to use the force to save herself when we've never seen her use it before I'd like to hear your opinion on these topics and how can you still call it a Star Wars movie with those flaws keep up the great work Brian uh, thanks for the question Kylie and and that's that's a hell of a question so we're gonna unpack I'm gonna go through this bit by bit one by one so here we go uh, where where was the beginning of it let me see here okay It's stupid to have a droid say the famous line, I have a bad feeling about this. 3PO said it in Return of the Jedi. As they're walking into Jabba's palace, he goes, oh, R2, I have a bad feeling about this, as they stumble off into the distance. BB-8 is not the first droid to use that phrase. Now, granted, he's the first one to use it that you couldn't understand what he was saying and that the director had to physically come out and say, oh, no, no, it was BB-8 that said it. That was kind of BS. I do agree with that. But there's nothing wrong with the droid saying it. K2 tried to say it in Rogue One, but he got cut off. I have a bad feeling. K2, shut up. That happened. I mean, there's... I mean, there's how many times is that... That line's in every damn movie. And how many people have said it? It's insane. You know? I mean, it, it, it's it's everywhere. So, I have no problem with BB-8 saying it. I, I did kind of have a problem with... The director having to come out and say, oh, he's the one that said it. Because after The Last Jedi came out, I did look at Kirstie and go, you know, nobody said I have a bad feeling about this. And I was like, that's kind of bizarre. And then when the director came out and said, when Ryan Johnson came out and said, no, it was in there. It was just BB-8 that that said it. I was like, oh, okay, well, that makes sense. And I had no problem with it. you know. So if you didn't like it, I understand that. Uh, But personally, I liked it. Uh, let's see here. It was totally out of character for Luke to just drop everything and go into hiding. Uh, look, with this whole Luke Skywalker thing, the, 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 the quote unquote character assassination of Luke Skywalker, okay, and I know there's a lot of people that agree with you. I am personally one that does not, and there's nothing wrong with that. Just because I disagree with you doesn't mean I think you're an idiot or stupid or anything like that. This is just my personal opinion, okay? There are 30 years of content there that we have yet to, to, to fill. We don't know every little thing that Luke Skywalker went through. This is Luke Skywalker. This is not the same Luke Skywalker from Return of the Jedi. This is not the same, you know, bright-eyed farm boy that wanted to escape Tatooine anymore. This is a Luke Skywalker that has seen some shit. This is a Luke Skywalker that his aunt and uncle were killed by the Empire. He watched Obi-Wan die. He watched Yoda die. He watched his father die. Uh, you know, he 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 watched his apprentice turn to the dark side and destroy his new Jedi order. You know, his nephew—it's his nephew—that would break anybody. And and we have to get off this. We have to take Luke off this pedestal as some messiah character just because the EU made him out to be some messiah, all-powerful force user. The man's still human. The man still has emotions. He still has flaws. You know, he's he's still learning, you know? And, and and it's, it's you you have to take Luke off that pedestal and actually look at him as a human being because when he's a human being, he's way more relatable. You can't relate to an all-powerful god figure wizard with a laser sword. You can't do that. You can't relate to that. Sure, that's cool in on, on, on a novel. Yeah, that's awesome to a story, having an all-powerful, I mean, but I mean, Look at the Force Unleashed. You had this like all-powerful... Which, by the way, we're good games. I will say that. But you had this all-powerful character that could just do it and rip Star Destroyers out of the sky. I mean, it was... As fun as that was in the game, it doesn't really make a lot of sense that somebody could be that powerful and their body could hold on to that power. you know. So you have to humanize your characters just a little bit. And this character assassination of Luke Skywalker, quote-unquote, I don't think is actually there. This is, a, this is a, a man that's been jaded by the Force. What did the Force ever do for Luke? Through his entire life, what did the Force ever do for Luke? I I, I need an answer, you know? So, uh, the, I mean, it's him running off and hiding. Hell, the only two mentor figures he ever had in his life both ran away and hid in exile. What else does he think he's supposed to do? Obi-Wan took Luke to Tatooine. Went into exile to hide, so the Emperor Invader couldn't find him. Yoda, straight off the bat, after being defeated by Sidious, failed I have, into exile I must go. And he goes to Dagobah to hide. I mean, he ran away from the problems. You know, I mean, that's... I don't... I, I, that's all he ever knew. That's the only example that was ever set for him. So it makes total sense. To me, anyway. You know, and, and to have Yoda's Force Ghost pop up there and, and correct Luke. And tell him, no, you're wrong. I've been around 900 years longer than you were. I know what's going on. You were wrong. You should have passed this on and this on. That's that. You should have done this. And what did Luke do in the long run? He came back, which we're going to talk about here in a second. He came back. He sacrificed his life to still be that hero, that image that the galaxy needed, that spark of hope that they kept talking about in The Last Jedi. I don't see anything wrong with the way Luke Skywalker was handled. I mean, and nobody was really talking about the way Luke Skywalker was handled when The Force Awakens came out, when they told us, when Han Solo stood on the Millennium Falcon and looked Ray and Finn in the eye and said he ran away from everything. An apprentice turned on him and he ran away from everything. What were we expecting? Like what Luke said in The Last Jedi, what were we expecting was going to happen? That he was just going to go with them and, and face down the, her, the whole First Order with a laser sword? That, is that what we were expecting? Luke saying that to Ray was Luke saying it to the audience, because we knew in The Force Awakens that that's what state Luke was in. That's the mindset Luke was in. I don't know why we expected anything different. So, and I didn't hear anybody raising hell then when Luke Skywalker ran off. I'm just saying. Uh, and 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 maybe I didn't change your mind. Hopefully I did, but maybe I didn't, and that's fine. Uh, but that's just my opinion on the Luke Skywalker thing. Uh, let's see here. Where else were, uh, we've never heard of ships using fuel before the Disney era. Yes, we have. There were several times in the class. Oh, well, I don't want to say several times in the classics. There were several times throughout the last six films where fuel was an issue where I mean, episode one, Obi-Wan says, you know, hey, here, here's a planet Tatooine. It's poor. It's, it's sparse out of the way, poor. But the huts have no presence there. And Qui-Gon says we need somewhere to land and refuel the ship refuel the ship um, even in gosh uh, Revenge of the Sith Obi-Wan makes the comment when he lands on Utapau I need fuel and supplies for my starfighter you know I, I need fuel and supplies when he was there to defeat Grievous when he was there to confront Grievous in Empire Strikes Back which is being marked down still as the greatest Star Wars movie ever and tied with some people with Jedi where Han says we need to find somewhere to, to make repairs and refuel And, and I mean, it's not, it's not the first thing. It's not the first time that that's ever been brought up. It's the first time it was a major plot device. Yes. But it's the first, it's not the first time it's ever been brought up. So fuel wasn't just a Disney era thing. What did you think the ships ran on? I I, I don't know. I mean, what did you think all the ships ran on in the classic trilogy? I'd like to know so uh, let's see where else were we uh, force communication didn't kill Luke uh, and Leia in The Empire Strikes Back why did it kill Luke in The Last Jedi when Luke and Leia connected in the, in the Empire Strikes Back that wasn't the way it wasn't in nearly in the same context and it wasn't Luke Skype force skyping Leia it was Luke calling out to her with his feelings and reaching out through the force to to touch her mind to let her know he was still alive and that he needed help she didn't physically see him sitting in the cockpit on the console in front of him. She just, Luke. I know where Luke is. We have to go back. And it was a feeling. The same way Luke did it in The Last Jedi when Leia was laying in the, in the medical frigate. When she was unconscious. When he's, you know, when she senses him, she's like, Luke. And, and Luke says, Leia. And that's when he reconnected with the Force. That's the, that's the same thing that happened in The Empire Strikes Back. What Luke did with his force projection, that is what killed him. That is what killed him. That, Kylo even says it toward the beginning of the movie, the first time Rey and Kylo connect, he says the effort alone would kill you. How are you doing this? The effort alone would kill you. Because she, I mean, she's not trained in the force. Luke was trained in the force and it still killed him. It took everything he had to make that happen. He projected an image of himself light years away, light years away across the galaxy to a almost perfect image of himself to the point where he could distract Kylo Ren and the First Order so that the resistance could get away. That's awesome. He played the distraction. He played the hero. The only person in that resistance that knew that wasn't the real Luke Skywalker was Leia. That was the only person who didn't know. And it's when he put his hand in her hand to give her the dice and kissed her on the forehead. When she looks up at him and realizes she can't feel him, that he's not actually there, she was the only person. Everybody else in that resistance saw Luke Skywalker walk out there on that battlefield and face down the First Order with a lightsaber. That's what they saw. Because even Poe made the comment, hell, how did he get in here? How did Luke Skywalker get in here? There's got to be another way out. So they started looking for another way out. Leia was the only one. And, and Ray probably, once they got on the Falcon and got taken off, Leia probably told Ray what was going on. And Kylo. Kylo knew it wasn't him. But all the rest of the Resistance, all they saw was Luke Skywalker walk out there and face everybody down. And, and the power that that took... To project yourself in the force so strongly that a droid like C-3PO can look at him and go, Master Luke, and a droid can see him, that's saying something. That is, We knew going into into The Last Jedi that there were going to be force powers used that we had never seen before, and we were all sitting around, "What, what kind of force powers could possibly be used that we've never seen before? That's what it was. Now granted, there were some versions of it in the EU that I've heard of, and even some time travel force projection, if I'm not mistaken. But that's something that, that just, I mean, it builds on like what I was saying earlier with Luke. He knew it was going to kill him. He knew it was going to take everything he had and strain his body. And he did it anyway. You know? So that, I mean, that's why there's a difference between what ha- what Luke did at the end of Last Jedi and the the force communication, I guess you could say, the the sensing of each other from the classic trilogy. There's a difference there. So, Uh, Moving on, let's see here. When was it established that Force ghosts couldn't interact with the physical world? I'm sorry. When was it established that Force ghosts could interact with the physical world? They've always been able to. Obi-Wan did it in The Empire Strikes Back. Or not uh, not The Empire Strikes Back. um, Return of the Jedi. When Luke, after Yoda dies and Luke walks out and he says, I can't do this R2. I can't go on alone. And Obi-Wan walks through the jungle and says, the, Yoda will always be with you. And he looks up and he says, Obi-Wan. As Obi-Wan's walking through the jungle, there are vines getting pushed out of the way. as he, I mean, brushing off his shoulder as he walks in. If he couldn't interact with the world, how is he sitting on a log with Luke Skywalker? I mean, it's, it's manifesting themselves as the Force. It's not a ghost. ghost. Everybody uses the term ghost. And maybe that's not the correct term that we should be using. Maybe not. I mean, I, I could be wrong. Force ghost isn't maybe technically the right term for what these things are, because in from a certain point of view, when Qui Gon comes back to Obi Wan for the last time in Master and Apprentice, uh, the the short story Master and Apprentice, it goes through the story. I mean, it goes through the process of how he manifests himself, and it's not just wispy light. You know, he, I mean, there's material there. So Yoda bopping Luke on the face with his walking stick or calling down lightning. I don't see anything wrong with that. They uh, the whole point of a force oh, the whole point of a force ghost, quote unquote, is I mean, it's they're they're made of the force. They have become one with the force, but they retain their individuality. When they manifest themselves, they are part of the living force. They are a manifestation of the force, and the force surrounds all living things. Like Yoda said, between the shore and the ship, it's there too. It's in storms. It's in lightning. Why couldn't the force, why couldn't somebody who is literally the force and has the entire power of the living force at their beck and call why couldn't they call down lightning and burn a tree? I, 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 you're, they're literally force beings. Why wouldn't they be able to do that? So, I mean, it was established all the way back in the Classic Trilogy. Force ghosts can interact with the physical world. Uh, this next one is really the only one I can't refute. And it's the why were the turbo laser beams from the finalizer arching in space? That one I have no answer for. I, I honestly have no answer for that one at all. As far as I'm concerned, laser beams should be going straight. The only thing I can think of is for uh, theatrical effect, because maybe they wanted that feel like ship-on-ship battle out in the ocean and shooting cannonballs. That's the only thing I can think of, and that the laser beams were... I mean, that's literally the only thing I can think of. Or the turbo lasers were some kind of different weapon that wasn't shooting actual laser bolts. You know what I mean? So I honestly don't have an answer for that one. And that does kind of irk me even when I watch The Last Jedi, seeing laser bolts arch. That does irk me. Uh, let's see here. Why is Leia all of a sudden able to use the Force to save herself when we've never seen her use it before? We have seen her use it before we saw it in the in the classic trilogy in the force awakens we saw leia use the force when luke tells leia about their bloodline and that their brother and sister and he says my sister has it in time you will learn to use that power the same as i have we know from the novels that she didn't want to be formally trained as a jedi but even at the end of Return of the Jedi, when Han says, I hope Luke, uh, I don't think Luke was on that thing when it blew, and she says, He wasn't, I can feel it. She was using the Force, she could feel it. That was the first time that that was ever touched on. The Force awakens. When Han dies, she feels it. Everybody looks at her, What's going on with her? And she sat down and she felt Han's death across the galaxy. The same way she knew Luke made it off the Death Star. She has. She's a Skywalker. She is a Skywalker. Why wouldn't she be able to use the Force? She had some preliminal training, but it wasn't anything that she could go do what Luke does and, and wield a lightsaber against stormtroopers or battle droids or whatever. But in that moment where it was fight or flight, and it was the end of her life, or do it was do this or it's the end of her life, she fought. It just goes to show the character strength of Leia. You know, now how they got the the bridge door open to let her in without everything getting sucked out into space, I don't know. That's a story, that's a question for a different time. But her using the force to pull herself toward the ship, I don't see anything wrong with that. They could have done something different with the pose so she didn't look like Mary Poppins floating through space. I do agree with that. But there's nothing wrong with Leia using the force to pull herself towards the ship. You know, and people saying, well, how did she survive the explosion? The Force. I mean, that's that's really, it all comes back to the Force. You know, right before those missiles hit, when she looks up at the camera and takes that deep breath, it's her prepping herself for that, for that explosion. She knew it was coming. If in the EU, Jedi can put themselves into a Force coma and survive for months on end in the cockpit of a starfighter before they're found, why the hell can't Leia wrap herself in a Force cocoon at the last second and protect yourself from a quick fire explosion and then just sucked out into space. Why not? I mean, why not? This isn't the first time we've seen a Star Wars character get sucked out into space, too. And a Jedi, if I, I might add. Kanan in Rebels. Sucked out into space by Darth Maul. He survived. You know, it, it's it's crazy to think that people... And I'm not saying that you, Kylie, are guilty of this. But there are people out there who really want to bash on the, on the Last Jedi... But the same things they're bashing on happen in the classic trilogy or in other Star Wars material that they claim to like. You know, so uh, let's see here. I think there was one more. Uh, no, that was the last one. Uh, but yeah, the, the, I hope that answers some of your questions, you know, and, and hopefully I don't want to say I I mean, I hope you like The Last Jedi after this. But it's, it's one of those things where I hope I was able to explain those enough to where they're more acceptable to you and you don't hate the film as much. I mean it's still a Star Wars movie And I don't see these as flaws The only flaw I see is the bolt arching thing that That's the only thing I see as a flaw You know And and, and some of this stuff you have to have Some level Of spe- of a suspension of disbelief Because it's a science fiction film It's a sci-fi movie It's a movie You know I think on the last episode I did We were talking about some of the physics and the Star Wars galaxy We don't know that they're all the same I assumed they were for that video, but we don't know that they're all the same. You're talking about a universe that has lightsabers and the force that goes against all physics. So I don't get why some of these things, you know, are are a big deal. Why we're picking apart a sci-fi film like it's supposed to be happening in our galaxy with our set of or with our laws of physics you know, based off of what we know. I don't get it. If, if everything in Star Wars made scientific sense, the space battles, silent. You wouldn't hear a, a blaster bolt. You wouldn't hear an engine roaring. Nothing. You wouldn't, you wouldn't hear it. There'd be I mean, no music. No music. If you're watching it as it's happening, no music. It's so all these things that we don't like about films that make no sense, that's the magic of movies. Because only in movies can you do stuff that goes against the laws of physics. That's fantasy. Where you can see what would happen if this was going to go on. You know? I, I, and another thing people bring up a lot uh, with The Last Jedi, and I thought I'd touch on this too real quick. Why all of a sudden now, oh, now we know how to hyperdrive ships into other ships at, You know, and them. Now that's a big deal? It's not that it's new technology or a new tactic. It's just she's the first one that we ever saw do it. Haldo, she sat down and she was trying to figure out how to take out that ship. And the only way she knew how, she already knew she was going to die. The only way she knew how to take out that ship was to light speed through that bitch, And that's exactly what she did. Just because it, it only happened for the first time in episode 8 doesn't mean, why did they never do that before? Nobody had the balls to do it maybe? Nobody thought of it. Just because somebody has a new idea later on in a series doesn't reflect badly on those before that didn't have that idea. So it's just she worked with what she had. At the moment, she made a quick decision, and she took off. So I hope that answers some of your questions. And I and, and don't get me wrong. There are some flaws with the movie. I do agree with that. But I don't think they're to the extent everybody is giving that movie shit. So uh, thank you for the question, Kylie. I do appreciate it. And uh, I, like I said, I, I do hope that that answers some of, uh, I hope it changes your opinion on some of the things that happened in the film. Uh, question number three this week comes from Rose Cooper. And Rose says, Brian, today is my birthday. Happy birthday. Uh, hoping to get a question on the show. Well, here you go. Your birthday wish has been granted. Uh, in your opinion, what is the best expanded universe scene in any book? And what is the best scene in all of canon, book, movie, or anything? Thanks for the question, Rose. And there are a lot of possible answers to this. Keep in mind, I haven't read a lot of expanded universe. I've, re- I've read some of it. I've read a bulk of it, but I've never. Re- I haven't read nearly all of it. Matter of fact, I'm just now starting to rebuild my EU collection. Thought about trying to go through it a little bit and, and doing some comparisons to maybe some things that happen in Legends compared to the canon version of it, right? But I think I got all the older public stuff in the eu but as far as best scene i'm going to start with the eu part of it i had to think about this long and hard based off just the books that i have read and one of the books that i've read and i've got it up on the canon shelf and i probably shouldn't anymore and, and and i'll tell you why here in a little bit but i've got the novelizations of episodes one two and three on the canon shelf because they do match up with canon where they match up with the film The reason they're still up there is because all those deleted scenes that we didn't see in the movie have been retconned. They're no longer canon. Just because they're in the novel doesn't make them canon now. Those novels are only canon where they line up with the films. But the reason they're up there is because there are scenes in the new novels that are canon that have been retconned. Like Ray and Poe meeting for the first time at the end of Force Awakens and then it happens in Last Jedi again. So that's the only reason they're up there is because some of that stuff has been retconned. And at this point, really, we don't know what is canon in those novels and what isn't. We know what lines up with the movie is, but beyond that, we don't. Uh, And I bring all that up and I say all that because my favorite scene in the EU, and and this scene is not canon and I wish to God it was. In the novelization for Revenge of the Sith, there is a scene before Anakin turns to the dark side where Obi-Wan goes and talks to Padme. And essentially, I mean, the, the whole gist of the scene is Obi-Wan telling Padme that he knows about them. He knows that they have a thing going. and And he never said anything to the Jedi Council. He never said anything to Anakin about it. He never said a damn word to anybody. And he says in that scene, because he knew it made Anakin happy. He said he knew it made Anakin happy. That, that's, that's an amazing scene. I love that scene in that book so much. And, and, and Bill, it just goes that much, I mean, it shows that much more the heartbreak Obi-Wan had to have gone through to leave Anakin for dead on Mustafar. He loved Anakin like a brother. He was willing to keep that a secret. Had Anakin went to Obi-Wan and said, look, I need you to keep a secret. Padme and I are married. Padme is pregnant. Obi-Wan wouldn't have said shit. When Padme asks Anakin, maybe Obi-Wan could help? Anakin should have said yes. Obi-Wan could have helped. He is the only person who could have helped. And when Anakin says, no, we don't need him, that was the beginning of the end. That, that was the beginning of the end. Obi-Wan would have bent over backwards to help him, and it's all due to that scene. I wish to God that scene was canon. I really do. I wish to God it was canon. It's one of the most beautiful scenes I've ever seen in a novel. Because we know where those characters end up later on. Uh, as far as what is the best scene in all of canon. Movie. or uh, a Book, movie, anything. There's so many scenes, man. There's so many good things that have happened in the new canon. And when I first read your question. The first thing my brain went to for best scene. I wanted to say the Darth Vader hallway scene in Rogue One. I wanted to go to that but I didn't that is probably a runner-up that's a badass scene but I will tell you what my favorite is and I, I had to think about this in long and hard too and I finally landed on it it is a scene from the novel bloodline and for those of you who have read bloodline you probably already know where I'm going with it if you haven't read it at this point this could be considered a spoiler but if you haven't read it at this point you you may not be getting you may not read it There is a point in Bloodline. Bloodline takes place like five or six years before The Force Awakens. New Republic is still in full swing. Leia is a senator. But you find out in this novel that the only people who knew even that far into the future after Return of the Jedi that the Skywalkers, that, that Luke and Leia were the son and daughter of Darth Vader was Han, Luke, and Leia. They were the only Three who knew nobody else knew that luke and leia were the son and daughter of the most hated man in the galaxy darth vader and that news breaks against leia's wi- uh, wishes and she gets blindsided by it publicly and when i was reading bloodline for the first time and it's another senator that finds out and breaks the news. Doesn't even give Leia a heads up. Hey, I'm going to tell everybody. They're in session. And this senator drops the news. And it's galaxy shattering. The entire galaxy finds out that Leia is the, son, is the daughter of Vader. Which henceforth makes Luke the son of Vader. And, and Luke's name starts to get drugged through the mud too. You know? And, and, and senators start stepping up. No, you are not going to talk bad. About Luke Skywalker, after everything he has done for us, you are not going to say a damn word. You are not going to drag him through the mud, because at this point, Luke is still running around the galaxy with Ben Solo as Jedi. And I'm I'm almost balls to and and Leia's. I mean, I'm balls to bone convinced that's how Kylo find out uh, about how Ben found out about his grandfather being Vader, because Leia starts trying to get a hold of Luke and Ben to let them know before Ben sees it on the holonet, and there's never any confirmation that he gets the messages. That is by far my favorite scene in all of canon so far. It's a great scene to read. What Leia's going through in her mind, her thought process, the shock of everybody finding out. The senator finding out about it and how they find out about it and how they drop the bomb. It's amazing. It's a beautiful scene to read. It's absolutely great. You've got to go read that. But if you haven't read Bloodline yet, I hope that just convinced you to go read it. Bloodline's a great novel. And it's and that's a great scene in that novel. So... I hope that answers your question. Those are my two favorite scenes, EU and canon. Thanks for the question, Rose, and happy birthday. Uh, And the last question this week comes from Todd Marsh. And Todd says, hey, Brian, I have a question for your podcast. I know you enjoy the new canon quite a bit. What is the biggest drawback, in your opinion, of a connected universe? would love to hear your thoughts. Thanks for the question, Todd. And there are, you know, I, I, I do enjoy the new canon quite a bit. There are some stinkers that I really don't care about. Heir to the Jedi, I don't even like saying the name of that book on this channel. Uh, the first aftermath is a little rocky for me. Last shot was really bad, in my opinion. It, it, you know, most wanted was bad, in my opinion. But for the most part, it's been pretty good. You know, as, as Han would say, it's pretty good, you know. Uh, but there are some drawbacks to having a largely connected universe. Because no matter, I I don't care who you are, if you tried to tell me the EU was canon, George Lucas didn't even consider it canon. Because if he did, the Clone Wars in Episodes 2 and 3 would have been vastly different. They would have been based on the Clone Wars from the Thrawn Trilogy. So the EU was never canon, as far as George Lucas was considered. I never thought of it as canon. They were good stories to read. They were fun to read. But now we have this connected universe where everything blends into each other. And And I'll give you some good examples. Real quick, before I, I talk about the drawback, uh, I just finished A Crash of Fate, which happens on Black Spire Outpost. Black Spire happens about the same time. The novel Black Spire is happening about the same time at the same outpost. So there are things that happen in A Crash of Fate that are already being set up to happen in Black Spire. So there's there's certain things, you know, certain mentions happening here and there. Oh, this complements that and this complements that. So it's kind of nice where everything kind of flows together. Yes, there are some contradictions, but it's one of those from a certain point of view things, right? I've always hated that. But anyway, some of the drawbacks to having a connected universe where all the novels connect and everything like that is sometimes, not always, but sometimes you have to read something in a book to know what the hell is going on in a movie. And I'll give you an example. And this isn't really a great example, but it's as close as I can get. Rogue One. When Rogue One came out, it had no opening crawl at the beginning of it. Me, having the YouTube channel, had read Catalyst. I had read that book all the way up to the release of Rogue One. So I knew Galen Erso. I knew Lyra Erso. I knew Director Krennic. I knew who that was. You know, I, I was there for the birth of Jen Erso. I was there with Saul Guerrero, you know, meeting the Ursos for the first, and, and, and you know, all I, I knew the characters, I knew the backstory there, so that when you open up Rogue One and Krennic says, we were this close to having peace and prosperity through the galaxy, and Galen says, I think you're confusing peace with terror, I knew what they were talking about. People who had never read the book, maybe were a little lost in the sauce. You know, and that and that's kind of the that's really the best example I can think of where you had to have read something in a book to know what was going on in Rogue One. Now I've talked to people who'd never read the book and saw Rogue One, got it, no problem. But reading the books enhanced the movie, right? Another drawback, and this is kind of a big one that I've noticed lately, and it's kind of been hitting a little harder, and I'm and I'm starting to get I don't want to say, you know, I was talking about the, the Black Spire fatigue while ago. That's starting to set in. I don't want to say this kind of fatigue is setting in yet, but I'm, I'm worried that it is. When you had the EU, most of the stories were shaped around the Skywalkers or their kids. You know? I mean, it's, it, it was either Han, Luke, and Leia, Lando, Droids, Chewy, or it was, you know, Jaina and Jason and Anakin Solo and those stories and, and, and the New Jedi Order and all that stuff and Mara Jade, right? All those other characters. But it was centered around the Skywalkers. This new canon is not centered around one particular family. This new canon, and and maybe this is Disney shooting themselves in the foot. I don't know. We always talk about how we want new characters, new stories, build on the galaxy. And I've said it on this channel several times. There's trillions of people out there in the galaxy. Why don't we tell some of their stories? The further we get into this new canon, the more I'm starting to realize. And you may disagree with me. That's cool. And let me know in the comments why you disagree with me. I want to hear your thoughts. I'm not saying you're stupid or anything. We can disagree respectfully. I truly believe that when you have a book like... It really started to set in with Alphabet Squadron. Where you have this A-team, this squadron, right? Of characters that come together. And they become the heroes of the story. Right? And it happened in Battlefront also. You know, the first Battlefront novel. uh, With... Uh, twilight company or with inferno squad or you know these other like badass teams that come along these a teams and and they're pulling off these incredible heroic feats it kind of takes the spotlight away from the heroes we all grew up and knew and love that we know and love han luke and leia the droids chewie lando it kind of takes away from them a little bit You know, and granted, we want new characters. We do. We want new characters to fall in love with and to follow and and to love their stories and their backstories. But that comes at a price. And that price is taking the the limelight away from the big three. From our holy Star Wars trinity. And some people are upset about that. You know, And, and that's one of the biggest flaws that I've said this new canon has. Is that it doesn't center around any, like, main group. The closest we've ever gotten was Aftermath. That trilogy, because it centered around the same group of people over and over, and you grew by the end of that trilogy to like all those characters. I didn't care for them in the first book. By the time I got to the the trilogy, I I liked them. There are are characters being introduced, like Inferno Squad. I want to see more of Inferno Squad. We saw them in the novel, and we saw them in Battlefront, and that was it. I would like more Inferno Squad. Uh, I mean, there were were so many other... uh, Characters, these heroes, like in this one, uh, Black Spire that I'm reading right now, uh, Vi, the spy Vi, right from Phasma, she's in this. She's the main character in this book. I want to know more about her. But when you get characters like that, and you get characters like, uh, you know, like, I mean, th- this is why it's hard for Ray, Finn, and Poe to stand out now, is because they're in a resistance surrounded by other heroes of the same caliber as themselves. Ray maybe not so much. There's not really a whole lot of Force users in the Resistance right now. But Poe is just like any other pilot. What's the difference between him and Snap Wexley? What's the difference between Poe and Wedge? No, don't get me wrong. Wedge is a great character. But what's the difference between those two? What makes Poe stand out? Because he happens to be wrapped up in the events of the film? What if Poe Dameron was just a character mentioned in a novel somewhere and he wasn't in a movie? Would we even care about him? Maybe some of you guys don't care about him. I don't know. Uh, I mean it's Kylo Ren I I know a lot of people really like Kylo Ren as a villain if he wasn't in a movie if he was just mentioned in a book somewhere as uh, he was the villain for one book would we care as much about him as we do with him being in a movie you know so with all these new characters coming out it's hard it it, I want to say yes I would care about them but that would make things I mean other characters in the film's kind of lose their luster a little bit. And they, they kind of get lost in the background noise where you realize they're not the A-team anymore. They're one of several A-teams. You know, so it kind of takes away that, that specialness of those characters. I, I, if you guys know what I'm talking about, let me know in the comment section below. It's kind of hard to describe. It's kind of taking away what makes them so special to us. You know? So, I mean, when you find out there's other characters out there like Hondo Anaka, Smuggler, I actually like Hondo Anaka more than I do Han Solo. And I can't believe I'm saying that. I like Hondo Anaka more than I like Han Solo. I'm probably gonna get lynched for that. But I do. And and that's it's had Hondo never come along, I would have liked Han Solo. You know, and and it's just I don't know. I don't know what it is. I used to love Boba Fett. Now we've got the Mandalorian coming along. All of a sudden everybody, Boba who? Huh? Boba Feet? Who the hell is that? The Mandalorian is going to be the one that takes front and center now. You know? So it makes some of these other characters we've grown up loving kind of lose their glow a little bit. That's just my opinion. That's one of the biggest drawbacks, I think, of this new canon. And we don't have a whole lot of series, like actual standalone book series, in this new canon. Because, like, I mean, in the EU, you had, what, the New Jedi Order? You had, I mean, what was it, you know, the Young Jedi Knights or something along those lines? You had the Thrawn Trilogy. You had the Hand of Thrawn Duology. I mean, you had Champions of the Force. I mean, you had all these other, like, actual series wrapped up and packaged, set within the EU. We don't have that so much in the new canon. We The, the best we have is a trilogy of Aftermath books and a trilogy of Thrawn books so far. That's That's about it. So that's one of the biggest drawbacks I think. and and you know, like I said earlier, some of the things back and forth that kind of retcon each other, some little things here and there, but it's nothing really galaxy shattering. Now, galaxy shattering would say, hey, this is how Ray died. Don't get me, don't freak out. This is how Ray died. And then in a book, this is how Ray died. That's that's a direct contradiction. And if they're on two separate planets, that's a complete contradiction that's not gonna happen i think pablo hidalgo uh summed it up perfectly in a tweet one time and he used the han grito thing who shot first as a great example and he said somebody asked him what what was canon did han shoot first or did grito shoot first and he said what is canon is that they both walked into that booth and only one of them walked out details are fuzzy depending on who you talk to the canon is that they both walked in and only one of them walked out. So little details here and there I don't really get my I don't really get my underwear in a bunch over little details anymore but just main the main gist of stuff, right? So uh, I hope that answers your question Todd. Thank you for sending in the question, man. Uh And actually, this episode went longer than I thought it was. We're coming up on an hour and 20 minutes. Thank you guys and gals for tuning in this week. I sure appreciate it. If you're new to the podcast and you like what you hear, be sure to give me a follow on whatever app or site you're listening in on. Check out the YouTube channel for upcoming reviews, interviews, uh, and reaction videos, uh, as well as the Facebook page to stay up to date on what's going on with the Star Wars Canon Podcast. Be sure to check out the Patreon account as well if you'd like to help support the Canon Podcast. Uh, Like I said before we got into the mailbag questions, if you'd like to get your question on the Star Wars Canon Podcast. You can send it to me at, Star Library at gmail.com. or if you're listening on the Anchor app or on anchor.fm, uh, you can send in a voicemail question. Also, who knows, you might get to hear yourself on next week's show. All the links uh, can be found in the description of this episode. And Like I said, thank you guys so much for tuning in, and as always, may the Force be with you.